0: Welcome to the Think Future Podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups, and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. Hi, my name is Chris Calabucas, and welcome to the Think Future Podcast. Today, we've got a special treat for you. We've got a special guest on the show, uh, Gam Diaz. I hope I... pronounce that or Dias, I hope I pronounced that correctly. He's our principal consultant on product strategy, data mindset, and e-commerce innovation. And Gam, I know what the first and the last one of those are, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about data mindset, what exactly that is.
1: Oh, data mindset, how do I put it? Um, do you remember in the Matrix mm-hmm. when Neo kind of gets it, I think it's in Matrix trip three. Right. And all of a sudden he becomes at one. Well Having a data mindset is being at one with data. It's really looking at, looking at a situation, whether it's a business process or a physical instance of something, and actually seeing the data pulse through it. Hmm. Um, here's a quick example. You know, you look at a filling a gas station, and you see, you know, immediately if you ask somebody, what's the data? Well, you know, you look at the cars that are coming in and you get the license plates. You look at the amount of gas they buy. You look at what they're paying for in the store. But when you have a data mindset, one of the things you start to see is, well, you know, can you notice the the cars that are going past the, mm-hmm. the gas station without stopping? Mm-hmm. And how frequently a car goes past before it actually stops? Or what? What's the gas price doing? What's the relationship between the gas price in the station? And so it's looking beyond the data. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the interesting things is, and this is applicable to a lot of things, um, you know, a lot of companies have competed on um, finding answers quickly, hence the whole rise of business intelligence. Mm -hmm. And you know, the data mindset is actually about asking better questions. He who asks better questions or she who asks better questions will actually end up with a better result. And right. so that—that that what I think, you know, big data is all
0: about. Cool. So big, better questions lead to better answers. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So that's not really what we want to talk about. We want to delve deeply into uh, conversational interfaces, and you are our expert on conversational interfaces and conversational commerce. And um, a couple of people have asked when I've talked to them about it, I'm sort of big on it now, why is this such a big deal? I mean, we've talked about where things are going on the interface side, you and I, and uh, maybe you can go into a little bit of detail as to why conversational commerce is hot, or not conversational commerce, but conversational interfaces in general. Why are they getting hot? Why are people talking about them? And why, I mean, why are they so important? I mean, everyone has uh, Amazon, uh, there's a lot of people with Amazon Echoes and Series and stuff like that, but a lot of people think that they're not quite there yet. So why is this all of a sudden so important?
1: And you mentioned Bill Bixby
0: earlier as well. You mean Samsung's new? Yeah, it's not Bill Bixby. My... I think it's just Bixby. Oh,
1: I thought it might turn green and growl at you.
0: You know, <laughs> so... the Incredible Hulk was one of my favorite shows when I was a kid. <laughs> believe it or not, it was everybody's favorite show?
1: How could you not? <laughs> so, um, actually, let, let's start with Amazon Echo and Google Home and Siri because those those are actually pretty sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Um, and now let's look back. You know, you as a futurologist, um, sh- as, you know, to be a futurologist, I think you need to be a pretty good historian as well. Um, so Leon Scott um, invented the phonautograph in 1857.
0: The phonautograph. Yeah. yeah I love that. <laughs> and Edison's, Edison's... Can I get gramophone? one of those on the grommet? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably. And <laughs> um, so Edison's, Edison launched the gramophone, you know, 10, uh, 20, 30 years later in 1886. Mm-hmm. So it's been around a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and if you think about, you know, magnetic recording, magnetic recording came in 1900. Mm-hmm. Um, Valdemar Pusin, Danish inventor, um, started to develop the magnetic recording. So these technologies were developed, what, 120, 150 years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a long time ago but mm-hmm. you know so so that's you know the history of recording now i would say that the current crop you know amazon echoes and google's home those are something like the invention of the vinyl record really as to what's to come <laughs> yeah i think we're just we're just scratching the surface
0: well that kind of worries me then because maybe we're a little t- is it too early because it's if it's if it were really that early then, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, you can even talk about the fax machine. I mean, the fax machine was invented in the 20s and only became prevalent in the 80s. So we're not 50 years out from having useful conversational interfaces, are we?
1: No, but things go so much faster now.
0: Mm. It's like we we just,
1: you know, if you think about everything as experiments, um, my friend Andreas Weigand, who was a chief scientist at Amazon, he, he... his whole life is building experiments of things right. and you know S- S- siri was a great start you know siri was grappling with semantics and it had a limited set of use cases of the sort of things that you would talk to your smartphone about but then i think the biggest and best experiment out there was tay mm-hmm. microsoft, launching tay out in the wild was probably the best thing that microsoft could have done
0: yeah I, think I remember that, tay that's but do you think you can learning. go into that a little bit of detail for people who aren't familiar with tay because it was such a short-lived phenomenon it was interesting. Short
1: and beautiful. It was a shining <laughs> star. So, so they launched Tay out there, and t- Tay began as a blank sheet, and she would learn from the things that people said to her.
0: Right. So Tay is launched. Just go back a little further. Quickly. Tay is Microsoft's chatbot, right? They they launched That's a right, yes. Twitter-based. It's Twitter-based, right? A Twitter-based I think chatbot. So, yes. As an experiment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, she, she was a white, a blank sheet to start with, and she would. Um, ask a couple of simple questions, and then as people responded, her vocabulary would grow, mm-hmm. and her, her responses would start to tune themselves, and very quickly, she developed some very racist, fascist, um, <laughs> um, lots of different negative tendencies, yeah. because she was being trained up by people who wanted to train her that way. Right. Um, and it was quite an amazing experiment because she learned very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it just shows what can be done and what what happens when you put one of these things out into the wild right um, But you know, that now we've you know experiment over they pulled it down and they, I think they learned a phenomenal amount. but now we've got Amazon's Alexa and Google's hello, which have set a very, very high bar um, in terms of you know conversational agility
0: mm-hmm. Well they attempt to. <laughs> I don't mind. I have an Echo, and it's terrible, if you ask me. I mean, but I expect too much out of it. Probably, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's a lot of people, millions of people. I think they've sold eight million of them to date. I think eight million people probably, or maybe a big chunk of them, uh, are happy with the performance of their Echo. I mean, I mean, and
1: Amazon probably very happy having 8 million people training their echoes right. and training the algorithms. It's, I, mean, it's, see, I think this is, if you think about how science has been done historically, now we have the Internet, and so I can launch experiments and learn very, very fast. You know, machine learning and, you know, those crowdsourcing systems are very effective at accelerating the pace of learning and right. development.
0: So it's not too late. I mean, it's not too early to get into this.
1: Oh, no, it's, I think it's it's a good time. You know, in in terms of retailers, mm-hmm. you know, chatbots are popping up here and there, and these are very much R&D projects, so this is very much, you know, a learning environment for a lot of retailers too. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. So, so um, that says that it's a good a time to get into it now, but why is it such a big deal? I mean, are a lot of people going to start switching over to a conversational co- interface? I mean, there's a lot of things... I know what I'm thinking about shopping. I mean, I love being able to see sort of like the array of products on the screen or on my mobile. Um, how can I see that? How can I get that kind of same richness in a conversation? Because I mean, if you think about it, it's sort of like a one-on-one thing. You can only show me a few things at a time. I don't see how that would how would how that would work for people. Maybe it's just because you know I'm the wrong demographic, but maybe you can enlighten me on that.
1: I'll try and give you a really horrible analogy. Then <coughs> it's like um. Doing laps in a pool mm-hmm. versus um, scuba diving right. in a, on a tropical reef—that that's kind of the difference in experience. So, I think you mentioned earlier something we, when we were talking about owning the customer, um, and you know, th- there's this notion, and and I and I like I thought that that was a really that was a really interesting word to use. You know, can we actually own people, mm-hmm. and and maybe we need to think about holding their attention, um, and. It, that if you kind of break that paradigm of the store and the web, um, you know historically, if I wanted to buy something, I actually had to go to the place where the inventory was held. Mm-hmm. I would go to the I would go to the guy with the market stall in the bazaar, right or I would go to the department store, yeah. and my the, the inventory was there, and that was the whole function of a retailer. It's still like that for
0: brick, brick and mortar retailers, I mean, yeah, It's exactly like that. I go there, I see it on the shelf, I pick it up, I put it in my cart, and I, I, I leave. <laughs> That's still yeah. a modality and, for a lot of these things.
1: Right, and if you think of the role of the retailer in that, it's to kind of, they say, well, I'm going to target these customers in the world, and I'm going to, for these customers, I'm going to assemble a selection of the best products that they would want and hold an inventory of them. Um, so if I'm targeting women young women who wear clothes, Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to assemble a range of clothing and I'm going to put it all in one place and make sure there's enough inventory available. And that was really the role of the retailer, to break bulk, to bring things physically towards the population and to curate a range. Now, um, what... So, so, and then if you think about the web came along and the customer still had to go somewhere, maybe not physically, but they had to navigate to... a website where the inventory was displayed right and so it was kind of in both cases yeah it was okay but it wasn't it wasn't the I had to lift a finger um, as a (laughs) customer
0: right because it's a virtual version of the same thing you're taking a store with inventory and you're just displaying it online and you get that array of things like you're standing in front of a shelf of product it's right. similar, I mean, it's slightly filtered, and you can do some searching, so you can only, it's almost like reconfiguring reality so that the, only the shelves you want to look at, shelves you want to look at are in front of you, but it's still displaying a shelf full of options right. that and, you've uh, called up.
1: Exactly, and everything we've had since then, whether it's that pop-up projected store in South Korea on, in the subway, or whether it's a mobile app, they're, they're all that paradigm, mm. you know, it's the same thing now. This is where the conversation interface just actually can change the game. So you don't go to the store. The store comes to you, uh-huh. or it comes to you. And it doesn't come to you necessarily physically, but it comes to you in a more convenient manner. So I'm looking for something. I don't want to browse through all the things that I don't want to get to the thing that I do want. I just want to get to the thing that I want right now, uh-huh. And I want the interface to tell me about the thing that I want, and I want it to tell me very fast and get me me to where I need to go quickest because my life is very busy all of a sudden. Well, you know, our lives are extremely busy. We don't have time to leisurely go about our business. We just want answers very fast. And, you know, whether I'm looking to book a restaurant or, you know, looking for a particular brand of shaving foam, I want to hone in on that product instantly and I want it to present itself to me
0: effectively. Right, but you see the question here I have is that right now we do sort of a fuzzy search and present a number of things to the customer and they have to basically make the selection themselves. How do I trust that the chatbot's going to give me exactly the right thing that I want?
1: Because it's powered by Google,
0: and we trust Google to <laughs> And Google knows everything that's 100% accurate all the time.
1: <laughs> we trust Google's first page, because otherwise we'd go beyond the first page. And, you know, if you look at the stat of what people actually do, they don't really go beyond
0: the first page. Well, most of us do. I always go beyond the first page. I don't know if you saw my post on that, but at one point I was going into restaurants and asking people, what's the least popular item on the menu? And I would get some very interesting... Things I I I delve into deeper pages in Google all the time, but I'm, I'm sure very few other people do. So I think you're yeah, right. Same. I think we we do trust. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, isn't like... Like, ignore the first page because I think people want speed and convenience, and yeah. they they would rather not have a choice. Mm. You know, even Amazon. You know, Amazon's whole point was to you know have the widest selection on the planet. Right. But Amazon's premise is really that people don't know what they want.
0: Right. And we'll just tell them what they want. We just we'll just hand it to them because we know them better than they do. <laughs> and you've just encapsulated marketing. <laughs> so 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 is there AI behind all this? I mean, is that is that what's powering all this, or is it I mean, do we need AI in this situation? I'm assuming we do, because it sounds like all of this I mean, how does this system how is it able to determine that tiny set, or even or that single thing that I've asked for, is the right thing for me?
1: Right. So, so AI is being applied in many ways in chatbots right now, um, and it's you know that the Watson, IBM Watson winning Jeopardy, was a just a phenomenal PR stunt because it it brought that technology into the mainstream mm-hmm. and it's been very successful in that however um, AI is very much a promised land with regard to real conversational commerce mm-hmm. um, and, and right now you know it's being used in a couple of ways I think um, it's been used in to understand intent it takes bags of words that we give it and tries to figure out based on everything it's seen before and everything it's been trained on, what our intent is. Now, sometimes there's quicker ways of giving intent because if you roughly know that someone wants something, then you'll give them a button to do it because it's way faster. You know, let's just say, I'm looking for my closest Best Buy store and um, the phone actually knows my geolocation the system knows where the closest stores are, so it should just present me with the buttons, you know, location buttons for the top three stores. And it doesn't need a lot of AI. Uh-huh. You know, it gives me a question, and it gives me buttons, and I respond. And that's kind of easy. Uh-huh. But if, I'm, if I start to say, I'm looking for, or I'm hungry, now, now they could be construed as the same thing, uh-huh. um, unless, until you kind of add some nouns to it. I'm looking for my daughter... I'm looking for a teddy bear for my daughter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, those things are kind of different. And the AI is necessary to, um, to interpret that and turn it into intent. And then, mm-hmm. of course, you know, the machine learning, going back to the TAY experiment, you know, as people um, ask questions and get responses and then follow threads, those, the threads that they all follow are going to be given stronger signals. So, you know, it becomes a little bit of a popular vote thing. And so the machine learning kicks in. So, NLP, machine learning, they're all being brought into place. So, you know, you can see it. You know, if you, in terms of commerce, you know, the, there's a spectrum here. Um, you know, uh, and it's this complexity of conversation. So, at, at the one end of the spectrum, you've got some very conversational chatbots. Um, and you know Tay would be one of them, and Mitsuku, it's M I T S U K U. Mitsuku is mm. another one, and they chat to you happily, but they don't actually do very much. Mm. I can't, I can't kind of find you things properly. But and on the other hand, you've got some very focused chatbots, and I think Best Buy's Best Bot ex- experiment was one of the best examples because um, it it gave you order status.
0: Mm-hmm. You,
1: I need to know where my order is. Why do I have to call a call center? You know, the chatbot can – I can ask it or it can ping me back and tell me. And so these are – the you know, it's very focused. And so the, the way over to the left, where the conversational stuff, you're probably going to need more AI. The yeah. stuff over to the right, you hardly need any. But, you know, we're going to get to a stage where we're moving – we're moving towards the more and more conversational interfaces. So the AI is going to become more and more useful.
0: So one of the things that uh, came up the other day, I think I've talked about this earlier in one of my other shows on the life stack or where things fit, and we were talking about owning the customer a little bit earlier, is that in these conversational interfaces that you're talking about, these are conversational interfaces that are added on to an existing channel or added as an as an existing channel. So I have a conversation with my customer. They can talk to me through a chat bot, whether it be audio or text or whatever. But what's happening is that what we see in the home is something like Amazon Echo or Google Home or whatever. It's these big tech companies are creating these ecosystems where they're the first line of defense. They get the customer's request, and then they pass it on to a retailer or a business or whoever so how do you i mean and then basically what you're doing is you're kind of losing touch with the customer right because of the if you say to your alexa you know i need this or i need that then amazon's going to get it for you or amazon's going to figure out how to get it to you so what do we do about that kind of disintermediation are these are we how, how do we fight into the back into that ecosystem or how does how does a typical business fight into that ecosystem when Amazon and Google become the basically the front line of everything?
1: Is everybody going to start implanting devices into your into your everyday lives? Um, I think Apple did the best job right. when they put the iPhone into our pockets because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they 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 did that. Now you know what is a car if it's nothing but an interface that understands you and where you go? Right. And so, you know, we're going to see conversational interfaces, you know, turning up in cars. Mm-hmm. And I think that if if the gas companies want your business, they ha- are going to have to get into that conversational interface ecosystem. Um, I think that homes are going to maybe we're not just going to need an Amazon. Echo in our house, or as a third-party device. Maybe the house is just enabled mm. as, as we get there. Now, for a business or a brand that is trying to inject themselves in, it's going to be an interesting time because I think in the future um, they're going to have to work a little bit harder to meet my needs, mm. and I'm going to have the power of a of an infinitely smart search engine just everywhere I go and everywhere I everywhere I am. So, you know, I'm very much augmented as a, as a human. Um, anytime I need something, the best offer needs to present itself to me. And that that's the challenge, I think, for, for everybody. Can if, if Amazon now owns, Amazon or Google Home own the conversation, then what are they going to suggest when I run out of bathroom tissue? Who are they going to bring to me?
0: Exactly, um, and if you're a retailer that sells that, how do you get how do you get first line in the queue? I mean, Amazon is a re- is a retailer, so they're going to sell you the tissue paper. They're not going to pass it on to whoever, right? So how do you how do you get yourself considered? I guess <laughs> by the take, by the Maybe box. we have to
1: take a trip back to the '50s <laughs> because you know now now we come back into Mad Men because mm-hmm. it's going to be brands. The, mm-hmm. I think the brand is going to have some resurgence because I'm going to, you know, either I'm going to tell Amazon I just want the cheapest bathroom tissue or I want the one that I saw somebody in my favorite TV show using.
0: Mm-hmm. Or you're gonna, um, we're going to get so, to the drug model where um, drug companies are advertising they're advertising online. Uh, they're advertising everywhere, and it's like, ask your doctor about this. So it's kind of like, right. hey, buy buy my buy my tissue paper because it's great. Ask your Alexa about this. <laughs> so the um, but then what happens to the retailer themselves? Because the ones, I mean, the brand is important. So the actual paper manufacturer is still going to get paid. But what happens to the WalMarts and the Targets and the in the intermediaries that are selling these things today? Do we even need to talk to them? And then how do they insert themselves uh, into the conversation?
1: But This is where you go back to the trust piece. So there is one of these, let, let's just say the retailer becomes one of these agents in your home. I mean, mm-hmm. and let's just say that jet.com puts another thing in your house. And so you're going to have to buy that interface. and. You know, do you buy it? Do they give it to you for free? Is there going to be a time when Amazon is going to be selling so much product through Alexa that it's just going to ship Alexa's out to any one of its customers? You know, you buy Amazon Prime, and you get an Alexa. You get a free Alexa. Yeah, it just just ships to you because they know that that's the gateway, and at that point, they have the relationship with you.
0: Mm -hmm. But
1: you know, here's the thing: it's it's easily toppled. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not talking to people. I don't have. I don't have a, a true human relationship with somebody, so I can swap the Amazon Alexa out with the Jet.com device or the Google device or the Alibaba device as easily mm-hmm. as I can. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not an issue. Or I'll have all four running at the same time, and I'll have them compete.
0: Well, this has made me think of it. You know, everyone's talking about net, net neutrality. Maybe we need bot neutrality, right? Where <laughs> um, all these retailers will now be clamoring to have access to Echo. Right. Because everyone they have owned the conversational commerce in uh, their conversational interface and they'll they'll be saying, well, they, you know, there's antitrust going on here because you guys own this whole interface. And it's it's gotten so broad, so vast that we can't break into it. So oh, could we, would we see what? be seeing bot neutrality?
1: Isn't isn't Echo the retailer? Doesn't Echo become the retailer?
0: Well, echo is the retailer, but I'm saying, do we, are retailers so, <laughs> going to start clamoring and saying, "Hey, you know, we don't have we don't have a voice in the home. you're not talking to us. you're you're channeling all these sales through you. We're not getting a chance. So it's kind of a version of net neutrality, isn't it? where it could be, but
1: you know, does this do all retailers need to implant a device? you know yeah. and so these devices will get more and more sophisticated, and they, because they are the gateway, they will become more and more free. So, who will be offering um, a phone or you know a complete connectivity package is it does that become the preserve of AT&T and Verizon because when they when they connect your home they just put listeners everywhere yeah and you know and then you don't need and you know and then all of a sudden well where does amazon go
0: yeah no i think that's going we're going to get to the point where how homes will be enabled or, or smart um, or whatever some word will start, be used where the whole house is decked out with sensors, audio, audio and and video sensors that can detect uh, and take commands, and then it'll be channeled to whoever, right? So well, who maybe
1: provides the sensors at that point.
0: Is it well, the
1: builder? D- the, uh, <laughs> ah, but I know. When the home is built, the, I know, but the builders are not in this business. So no, no, no. Who do they who do they implant? I and mean, presumably right. the home. The home, you know, the home is now enabled with sensors everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they are supplied by proprietary companies, but who's the service provider of the sensors? Now, today, you know, in my house, it's AT&T, mm-hmm. um, but it could be equally Verizon or Comcast, or is that the business that Google and Amazon should be getting into? Right. It's like providing just general connectivity because they, the one that owns the connectivity potentially owns the conversation. Right. And, you know, going back to... Um, train manifesto all markets are conversations Uh Uh and so you know there's going to be a race to connect you and you know perhaps you know the the phone companies or what we traditionally known as the phone companies are missing the mark Uh be interesting to see what BT in in the UK is thinking because they've always had some you know good thinking about this
0: Okay, so let's let's roll things back to the present day. What should be what should people be doing right now about conversational interfaces? What's the best next step?
1: I think they need to um, understand their business, understand their customers and what their customers' expectations are and where those customers choose to look. You know, there's a billion people on Facebook Messenger right now. There's 300 million on Kik. Um, Pretty much all commerce, um, all all mobile apps in China now live inside of WeChat. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to order an Uber, you do it inside of WeChat. So, you know, the conversation interface is one definitely worth experimenting in, but you have to kind of understand what's going to provide the highest utility to the customer. And, you know, there's a lot of superfluous bots out there Um, And there's some actually quite useful ones. And you want to run the experiments where you're driving the customers um, to those bots to actually do some learning. Um, So it's probably worth spending some money thinking about your chatbot strategy and chatbot roadmap. Well, your conversational commerce roadmap, really. Mm -hmm. And chatbots, chatbots are, you know, they—they're a little piece of it because right. you know you want to have, be able to have the same conversation, whether it's on Twitter, SMS, on a pop-up on your site, or in any one of the messaging apps. But you need to think about you know how that applies to your business, and how it applies to how your customers choose to interact with you.
0: Great. All right. Well, thank you very much. Is there anything else you'd like to add as we sign off?
1: know how much I've enjoyed chatting to
0: you. Great talking to you as well, as always. Well, thanks. Thank you. And um, see you next time. And until then, don't forget to think future. future.